At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. Happy Friday, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show. It is the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Danny Burke, your host here, as always, live in the Windy City. Of course, you can follow along on Twitter at Danny Burke 5. And make sure to check out Rush Hour tonight, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Marquee Sports Network, VEASAN.com, and many other affiliates. But we got a great show planned because we got Pamela Maldonado. Hopping on the program. Now, she's a betting analyst over at Yahoo Sportsbook. I know she bets a lot of tennis, but what she also does amazing work with is handicapping college football. So we'll get a nice college football preview from Pamela. We'll have her on the show. And also former Major League Baseball pitcher Josh Towers. As we head into the All-Star break, we'll check in with our buddy, see what plays he has tonight, and just get an update maybe on some future situations. And especially with the Chicago White Sox getting a big dub last night, 12-2. How about it? White Sox got an even bigger game potentially tonight as they once again on the road take on the Minnesota Twins. Kopech versus Smeltzer. We'll get to that momentarily. We'll briefly preview the Mets and the Cubs game. That's a 1.20 p.m. Central time first pitch. So uh, not the deepest preview. Again, like typically happens here on the show, we'll kind of just skim it because a majority of the people listening probably going to be around first pitch or post first pitch. So a quick preview, but not too in-depth. So we got a quick recap here. Last night, 
If you've kind of been not paying attention, this past week, VEASAN had its first ever pentathlon, which was our baseball betting contest. Five picks by the shows and the hosts involved in those shows. You had to do a run line, a total. Um, you had to do a favorite, an underdog, and then a prop. So this was quite the hectic scenario here. And if you've had enough of it, uh, I apologize, but I'm just going to run through it because I need the one time to vent about it. I kind of vented about it last night, but I'll get to that in a second. So, well, first things first, too. Danny's dime. We get shafted. Astros run line minus 105. Guess what? The run line monster comes out to get us. They win by one, three to two. That's why you often find me laying more instead of the run line. But I figured the Astros offense could put more against Detmers was not the case. Uh, shout out to Josh Applebaum, VEASAN's betting reporter. He came on rush hour last night. He laid the chalk, so he got the dub. I did live bet because I was afraid it was going to happen once the Angels tied it up 2-2. Two to two. Framber Valdez walked two guys in, I think is what it was. Disgusting. And then, of course, it was a third, and Houston only scored one more run. Tough loss. You hate to see it. That happens. Ugh, it is what it is. It's been a rough week with bad beats. But here's the bad beat that went on last night. So we were coming down to the wire with the pentathlon, right? We were in fifth place, and I think we had like 145 bucks or 160 I don't know, whatever it was. But basically, what I needed for Rush Hour was a good prop with some value and really for all the other shows to lose, okay? And so I'm looking at what is happening with the other shows. You know, a numbers game was at the top. Uh, Greg Peterson, the look ahead with Scott Seidenberg. Basically, long story short, all of the other shows had their props loose. And mine was still alive. So this opened the door wide open for mine to come through. And I talked about it here on the Chicago City Cast, the prop I was thinking about doing. And it was funny. I was talking about Jock Peterson. Of course, Jock Peterson ends up coming through with an RBI. But instead, I opted in to doing Brandon Belt to record an RBI over a half at plus 300, three to one odds. Now, because of all the shows in front of me, at this point, if I would have hit that, I would have won. And follow the money, they were trailing behind. They had a seven to one or 11 to one, whatever it was, because they were trailing. So they needed a really big payout and they were strategizing and going, all right, what are these guys doing? And they saw that we were getting involved in that game. So they waited to the last possible second and then decided what their bet was going to be. I'm pulling it up right now was Corbin Burns. Nine plus K's in the Brewers to win. I guess that was plus 220. Now, also in contention at this point with a bet in that game. This was the nightcap, Tim Murray, Sean King. They had Corbin Burns 11 plus Ks, Brewers win for 7 to 1 odds, which if that would have came through, they would have won. Well, Corbin Burns ends up with 10 strikeouts. So the nightcap kind of gets shafted a little bit themselves because the Brewers ended up winning, as we know. But Corbin Burns over 9 Ks ends up coming through for follow the money, and the Brewers won, so plus 220, right? But here's the situation. So I'm looking at the game. I'm watching it. I went out to dinner. I wasn't really, I wasn't watching it on my phone, but I was keeping an update, right? I finally get home. I'm able to pull up the stream on my phone. And it's first and second. I think it was Estrada was up to bat and belts on deck because he's the cleanup hitter. So I'm looking at this because there's two outs. I was like, please just walk him, hit him, whatever it is. A couple pitches later, what do you know? The Brewers pitcher hits Estrada. 
So bases loaded, Brandon Belt, your DH, your cleanup hitter, is due up in the bottom of the eighth, tie game. You would want him in that situation, right? He is your designated hitter and your fourth hitter. Who the hell else would you want up there? But Gabe Kapler, trying to outsmart everybody here, ends up pinch hitting for Brandon Belt. So I don't even get an opportunity to get Brandon Belt up with the bases loaded to get over a half RBI to cash 3-1, to one, hopefully cash 3-1, to one, and then hopefully would have won VEASAN's baseball betting pentathlon. Not even an opportunity. Gabe Kapler, my man, you have earned yourself on the crap list here. Brutal. Now, this is, of course, assuming that Brandon Belt went up there and somehow would have got a run batted in against the Brewers' bullpen, which, yes, is a very tough feat. The guy who pinched hit for him, I can't recall his name, ended up flying out to right field. But still, the fact that I couldn't even get that opportunity when I finally started streaming it and it comes up and then that happens was just like, you are kidding me. It would have been something if it was like a six hitter, seven hitter or whatever. They didn't want the lefty lefty situation, but it's Brandon Belt. It's one of your top hitters, your hottest hitter the past week. And you pinch hit him. And you know what? You got what you deserved. You lost the game. You would have kept him in. You would have won. I don't know, but that's what I'd like to think. So then the Brewers end up winning and follow the money ends up claiming the first ever trophy for VEASAN's baseball betting pentathlon. Great trophy, by the way. Saw it on the show this morning. Oh, shout out to the squad. Great pick. Good comeback. And that's what makes it fun, right? It's all about that value. And that's how baseball betting goes sometimes. And then it's funny, you know, I'm like unbelievable in my, in my room watching this game. And then I get a call from the nightcap crew, Tim Murray and Sean King, and they just can't believe it either, and they bring me on to let me vent a little bit, and they're venting themselves because they got screwed with the Corbin Burns getting pulled. He had 10 strikeouts. They needed 11-plus. Uh, so they got the bad beat. I got a tough beat. It, mine's not technically a tough beat. It's just a tough missed opportunity. <laughs> I guess you could say base is loaded. Uh, so uh, I came down to the wire, which is the way it should be. It's all fun and games, and uh, no, it was a blast. So uh, appreciate everybody who was tagging along with it. Hopefully everybody had fun watching us do it. I know we all had fun participating in it, so uh, can't wait till next year. And hey, we can't wait till we got the football contest for this upcoming season. Very pumped about that, per usual. But yeah, hell of a pentathlon, tough way to go out. But it is what it is. And not only that, then, of course, we had the miss with the Astros run line. They win by one. So uh, all in all, a tough Thursday night for myself. But uh, hopefully we can get some redemption here with an outlook for all these plays on Friday night heading into the weekend. Let's get into this Cubs and Mets matchup, folks. We've got a revenge angle. That is right. Mr. Marcus Stroman going against his first team for the first time this year. Stroman taking on Tyjon Walker who actually has been pretty solid for the Mets. He's got a 3-flat on his FIP, a 3.93 Sierra, a 3.21 FIP on the road. He's a little bit better at home, but still really solid numbers away from home for Walker. Now, Stroman, we know Stroman's been kind of on this roller coaster up to this point. He's got a 4.02 FIP, a 3.70 Sierra, but get this, his ERA at Wrigley Field, 9.33. A 428 Woba and a 583 FIP. He's terrible at Wrigley, plain and simple. However, his last outing was promising, albeit only four innings. 
allowed just two hits and no earned runs at Los Angeles against the Dodgers. Now, you got to pay attention to this weather. I, wa- I walked outside and obviously just looking at the weather report, but it's raining and it looks like it's going to be at least drizzling all throughout the course of today. It, the wind is blown out to left center field, but it's, again, not ideal situation with the uh, just with the weather overall. And do you like that revenge narrative for Stroman? Is it enough to maybe give you a plus money bet on him? Well, the odds makers opened up the Mets minus a buck thirty-five and the Cubs plus one seventeen. By the way, you're trusting a team that just lost eight zero to the opposition, so also tough task. And now the Mets uh, minus one thirty-two, the Cubs plus one fourteen at Bet Rivers. Totals at nine. Over is even money. Run line for the Mets plus one twenty-three. If you want to take the run and the hook with the Cubs, it's minus a buck fifty-five. I think if you did want to trust Stroman here, if you did want to trust the Cubs. Look at a first five angle. Again, it could be a sloppy game. A lot of nonsense can could occur here, and you don't want to trust his Cubs bullpen. So maybe look to trust Roman if you want that revenge angle in a first five type of capacity. But again, it makes it tough with these terrible conditions. But let's hope Stroman goes out and balls out. It'll be fun to see if they actually play that game. All right, this game with the White Sox, man, this is going to be a fun one, I think. This pitching matchup is is just making me scratch my head here. I don't know who to give the nod to, honestly. Because he got Michael Kopech, a solid right-handed pitcher, as we all know, but the stats are telling you he cannot be trusted. And honestly, you could just understand that from watching him recently, especially against the Twins. Because his last outing, he... Well, not his last outing, but his last outing against the Twins, which was July 5th, Didn't really go according to plan. At home, went just 4.2 innings pitched, allowed 8 hits and 6 earned runs against the Twinkies. 4 home runs. He can't have that. 4 walks, 5 strikeouts. Kopech and the Sox lost that one 8-2. Folks, his last 3 road starts, 13 earned runs combined between the Angels, Yankees, and Blue Jays. Not the easiest of teams to go against, but still no bueno for Michael Kopech. He did have a good outing in April at Minnesota. Five innings, three hits, no earned runs, seven strikeouts, and the Sox did lose, but it was just two to one. Overall this year, Kopech's numbers are looking like two and six, 335 ERA, 114 on his whip. And you might be thinking 335 ERA. All right, sounds good. Remember, got to take into consideration his FIP, and that's at 447. And then his Sierra is at 470. He's walking about four and a half guys per nine innings, a little too high. And he's got a 422 FIP on the road. Now, those numbers aren't horrendous, but it's not making me leap out of my seat to want to bet this unstable pitcher and unstable White Sox team. Yes, the momentum's high coming off a great 12-2 win. And you're going against a lefty today. That's what makes this so tempting. Devin Smeltzer, the southpaw, he himself not having the best stats. Now he's 4-2 and two with a 392 ERA and a 116 whip, which is all fine and dandy. But then you look at his FIP. Here's a way bigger discrepancy. 554 FIP compared to his 392 ERA. And then he has a 487 Sierra. He's getting just five strikeouts per nine innings and walking 2.3 guys. Not the best ratio. Now, at home, his ERA would lead you to believe that he's an automatic play here almost. 2.10 ERA, 261 Woba. 
But here's the catch. His FIP at home is 527. He's worse on the road, but still a terrible FIP at home. Now, he has not faced the White Sox this year. But what you should know is that his last outing was at Texas against the Rangers. The dude only went 3.1 innings pitched, allowed 8 hits, and 7 earned runs. He owns a 15-flat ERA and two career appearances against the White Sox. Both were relief appearances and both in 2020. But still, same White Sox core, basically, that dominates against lefties. The White Sox versus Southpaws on the road this year, 841 OPS, stellar, 375 Babbitt, you betcha, 364 Woba, and a 139 weighted runs created plus. Thank you, may I have some more. But let's not forget, Minnesota, great offense at home against righties, 763 OPS, 297 Babbitt, 331 Woba, and a 116 WRC plus. So what outweighs the other? Which pitcher can you put more faith in here? You want your answer to be Kopech. You need your answer to be Kopech because I don't want to lay a decent price with the Twins, which is what I, I I know what it is now, but I guess not what I envisioned it was going to be originally, but was shocked to see. So I guess I'll just get to it. So basically my opening line, I was considering making the White Sox a small favorite, but I was like, all right, realistically, because of what we've seen out of Kopech, I don't think the odds makers are going to, they're not going to back him as much as I would necessarily. So I ended up making this a pick him with the total at nine. Because the, I don't know, both of these pitchers may be a little bit more unstable. Okay. So then I scroll over to see where the opening line was. Bet Rivers opened Minnesota up at minus 133. I would have made the White Sox a small favorite. And then I thought I was being generous with the pick'em. And then Bet Rivers says, nah, we're doing 33 cents more on the opposition. Minus 133 to the Twins. White Sox plus 115. Total were the same at nine. But my goodness, a lot of love here for the Twins. Now I get it. You think it could be a bounce back spot. Kopech hasn't looked pretty. He just got rocked by the Twins over a start ago. But Smeltzer's numbers are brutal, folks. They're not good. Again, he just went three innings last time against the Rangers. Allowed seven earned runs. Now, his best starts have been at home. I understand that. But the White Sox, this is their opportunity. Not only did maybe last night spark some of that momentum we keep talking about, but it's against a lefty where they have to win in these situations because that is their bread and butter. And guess what? A couple of your players who are crushing it are doing well against the Twins. Luis Robert with the grand slam last night destroyed that ball. He's 9 for 13 with two homers, eight RBIs, and three runs in his past three games. And 7 for 16 with two homers, seven ribbies, and four runs in four games versus the Twins this season. And how about Abreu? He extended his on-base streak to 20 games with a ribby single in the first inning. He's 9 for 27 with two homers and six RBIs in seven games against Minnesota this year. Do you consider a prop on these guys? Total run scored for Abreu over a half plus 107. Robert over a half minus 108. To get an RBI, Abreu's plus 123. For Luis Robert, it's plus 128. Very tempting. Total bases over one and a half for Abreu minus 109. 
Luis Robert over one and a half minus 143. Yeah, I think I would do Robert, but minus 143. I don't really want to lay that. Abreu to hit a home run plus 350. Robert plus 360. No thanks. But the RBIs or runs, I mean, it's kind of a tempting, tempting play here. Now, they really haven't faced Smeltzer is the issue. Um, Robert's 1 for 3. I think Abreu's 0 for 1. Still, his numbers aren't great, so they should be able to take advantage of it. But getting back to the main odds, where have they moved now? You know, I was kind of appalled that Minnesota opened at minus 133, but maybe the market moved back. Not necessarily the case here. Minus 148 is where you're seeing the Twins. Oof. Wow. The White Sox. Plus 120. Oh, uh, pardon me. So it was minus 148. I refreshed the page. Now it's minus 141. So it went up a lot. Kind of came back down. Now the Twins are minus 141. The White Sox plus 120. The run line for the Twins is plus 145. If you want to take the run in the hook with the White Sox, minus buck 75. Total still at nine. Overs even money. Unders minus 118. By the way, total in the Cubs game just dropped to eight and a half. Unders plus 102. Overs minus 121. Well, we know how bad this White Sox bullpen can be. I'm not saying the Twins bullpen is anything to write home about. But I feel like if I'm playing this game, it's got to be either with the total or some kind of value outlook with the White Sox. Do you go White Sox first five for a little bit of plus money? Or because they're an underdog, could you do first five plus a half? Minus 130 is what I saw. So if they tie, you cash your bet. If they're winning, you cash your bet. What about first five over four and a half runs? We're assuming this is going to be a higher scoring game. And if you don't want the full total of nine, you get a little bit better bang for your buck with the four and a half, hoping that these hitters can take advantage of the starters. That's something I'm contemplating as well. Full game over, I don't hate it because usually when I bet overs, it's going to be full game. And conversely for unders, it's going to be first five. But sometimes you may get a better bang for your buck, like I'm saying, because you get the four and a half, knowing these starting pitchers are probably going to be the reason you get a lot of runs. And then you don't have to sweat out the latter half if you need that one or two extra runs at the end. And maybe the bullpen does do okay. So sometimes that is a route to take. I don't know if I'm there yet to fully commit to it. And same with the White Sox. But I just, again, and it's not even an overreaction to last night. But it's just knowing that Smeltzer isn't good. He's a lefty. The White Sox, yeah, they did get their bats alive last night. They know this is their most important series up to date. <laughs> I'm just saying, they're getting up for this one. You got to imagine. And you're getting plugged. Like, it, it would be different if the White Sox, if it were at a pick em, or you were laying like minus 105 or some kind of price with the Sox, they'd be like, no, nah, that seems about right. And I will respectfully stay away and root for them for my division bet, right? But the fact that they're going, nah, nah, we don't think they should win this game. They, they're the underdog here. Then I'm almost tempted to go, no, you're wrong, because this is actually a situation to where they should be getting more respect. That's how I'm thinking of looking at this game. Whether it's first five, whether it's full game, maybe more of a stronger lean to the first five, because after Smeltzer, you probably figure they bring in a righty out of the pen. So then you just look to take advantage of the White Sox and hope they take advantage of the Southpaw early on. So that's something I'm going to keep my eye on. Not official as of this moment. I'll let it marinate a tad bit. By the time we get to rush hour, as I always say, I'll probably have an official outlook on it. 
But that'll be during Danny's Dimes. And that'll be 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time tonight. Let me know if you're playing anything, though, at Danny Burke 5. Fascinating outlook for this game. Can Kopech get the job done? I have faith in this White Sox offense, but can Kopech get the job done? And my answer is I don't know, and that's what also entices me to want to just bet this total going over because at that point, you're just hoping for a lot of production offensively. You don't have to sweat out Kopech pitching a good game against a solid Twins offense that's looking to bounce back from last night. So yeah, a lot of angles that could be used in this game. We'll see where the market starts trending toward. Quick break here, folks. And then we'll be back. We'll talk some football. Now, throughout Rush Hour, like I've said, I've done a lot of NFL futures up to this point, And we're kind of in that dead zone almost when the All-Star game is going to be happening soon. But really, because we've done so much, I want to take a brief moment here on the CityCast to just update all the futures I have played thus far from Rush Hour to the CityCast involving the NFL. So we'll do that as we send you into your weekend here on the Chicago CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Baseball is here and Bet Rivers has a special offer for you every single Saturday throughout the entire season. Place a three-leg, same-game parlay of at least $25 and you will earn a $10 free bet. With same-game parlays, you can combine player props and game bets to help you make your perfect combination. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Claim your offer on the Bet Rivers app or go to BetRivers.com. Com. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. It's 1-800-426-2537. Okay, let's get into it. Hit the gridiron with some NFL futures. A bunch that I've already played up to this point throughout the Chicago City cast and throughout Rush Hour, primarily Rush Hour. But I want to take this segment to just go over it because you could kind of get lost in the mix of sending all these out. And I realize not everybody checks the best bets page on a consistent basis or even tunes in to the City cast or Rush Hour on a consistent basis. So I want to just do a brief kind of halftime and look at these futures that I've played so far. So let's begin to, we'll pretty much just go in order of how I played them. So right after this past Super Bowl, I think it was literally the day after the Rams defeated the Bengals. I'm already looking at 2022-23 uh, NFL Super Bowl futures. So I, last year, was pretty adamant about being high on Justin Herbert and the Chargers and Brandon Staley. And I was kind of outspoken about saying Justin Herbert, I think, is a better quarterback than Joe Burrow. And we're not going to get into that fight now. I'll just let it be proven on the field this year. But long story short, assuming the Chargers will be a playoff team and where the value was, I thought 25-1 to 1 was a great selection. So at Bet Rivers, I bet the Chargers 25-1 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. And, you know, they make some good moves in the offseason. They do well in the draft, in my opinion. They get Khalil Mack, like I was kind of alluding to. But, yeah, the Chargers went from 25-1, to 1, now down to 15-1. to 1. $10 difference there, folks. I'll take that. All right? There's still so many things, of course, that need to happen. But you like to get that value early on. And then another team that I sought out. And one that's seeming to be kind of popular in the futures discussion is the Baltimore Ravens. I got them at 20-1. to 1. 
Baltimore was still able to compete despite dealing with arguably the most adversity. All of these injuries, they have a lot of talent still. And maybe an easier division. Browns are unknown. Bengals are going to be good. We know that. But the Steelers, Trubisky, Pickett, nah. No, thank you. So as long as the Ravens can do good or, you know, they can do as good or better than the Bengals, they'll make the playoffs. And their odds are now at 18-1. to So maybe they're due for a good playoff run. And again, folks, betting all these, it's not like I'm pounding my fist saying, yes, they're going to win. It's guaranteed. No, a lot of times it's just based on value and where you realize the number is going to be at the start of the season, midway point, or at the end, and you have these cash out opportunities or hedging opportunities. It's a long-term investment that you can look to capitalize on many different ways. So Chargers 25 to 1, Ravens 20 to 1. And then another 25 to 1 bet I did, this one kind of before all the nonsense, was the Arizona Cardinals. I bet them at 25 to 1. And then you all know what's been happening with the Cardinals, but long story short, now you can get even better value with Arizona. They are at 35 to 1. Kyler Murray with his contract negotiations. DeAndre Hopkins getting suspended six games. Yeah, not the best look from uh from myself betting the Cardinals, but it is what it is. All right, and then we took quite some time off, and then maybe a month ago. Started really looking into the NFL, and one of my favorite awards to bet is Coach of the Year. And I know we talked about this here, but, you know, the TLDR of it is I narrowed it down to two coaches. And the best odds I got were Kevin O'Connell, Coach of the Year at 20-1, to and Frank Reich, Coach of the Year at 22-1. to Beginning with Kevin O'Connell, he's the new coach of the Vikings. And I also did a bet on the win total with the Vikings. We'll get to that in a second, but you could probably figure where it's going. I am high on Minnesota this year. Green Bay is an unknown kind of, they're in an unknown situation, so to speak, relatively. In the sense that Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a true number one receiver right now. You lost Devontae Adams. You continue to have all this offseason kind of mayhem. Your defense is still not that good in my mind. Your offensive line, I think you lost a couple pieces. And yeah, you got a couple of receivers in the draft, but Aaron Rodgers is a big relationship guy, a big trust guy. So how long is it going to take to develop those relationships and to be anywhere near Devontae Adams at that? So it's going to be tough. I'm not saying the Vikings win the the division, but I think they will absolutely make the playoffs. And here's the thing. If they make the playoffs and they look great and they're not shooting themselves in the foot and their defense isn't a disaster like it has been the past couple of years, will that be enough to put Kevin O'Connell toward the top? Brand new team, inheriting a great offense. The situation sets up beautifully. If you can come close to winning the division over one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in your first year, that should warrant you a great opportunity to win coach of the year. And again, 20 to 1, I just think that's fantastic value. And once the Vikings start winning, that will decrease very, very rapidly. So Kevin O'Connell inherits an amazing situation, a wide-open division because the Packers might take a step back. The Bears and Lions aren't any good. Vikings could absolutely win the division. So Kevin O'Connell loved this play, 20-1 to Coach of the Year. And then I mentioned Frank Reich, Coach of the Year, 22-1. to You know, a lot of these times these awards are narrative-driven and you want to set up when it's a first-year guy or a guy who had a really bad team and just turns it around or maybe has had opportunity to do so. Frank Reich isn't necessarily in either of those situations. No, the Colts didn't make the postseason last year. In fact, they missed it in an incredibly embarrassing way, losing to the Jags in the last game of the year. But Frank Reich is reportedly on the hot seat. Okay, and you got Matt Ryan, 
a serviceable and beyond that quarterback, especially compared to Carson Wentz. And Frank Reich, I think, is a great coach. I get the frustrations from missing out on the postseason. So you got Jonathan Taylor, great offensive line, good defense. And guess what? A wide open division. So does the path set up for him to win this award narrative-wise? No. But knowing that they are going to probably win this division and they didn't make the playoffs last year, if they can cruise against their division and just competition and have like one of the top three records, who's to say Frank Reich won't be a top three candidate for coach of the year? Again, this is a play where the value will decrease assuming they win the division. It's not going to be 22 to 1. It'll be in the single digits range. And maybe they give you the cash out option on these books. Or you could sell your ticket. Again, it's not all about going all the way necessarily. It's about making a profit sometimes. And I think that's what you can do with Frank Reich, even if he doesn't win. He will not be 22 to 1 after the first few weeks of the season. So those are my picks for coach of the year. Comeback player of the year. Another one I find fascinating. At first, I didn't want to do this guy because I think he's very volatile and I didn't like the short odds. But the more I thought about it, the more I did have to get involved in a shorter odds type of guy who has a realistic chance to win. And I think the person who has it set up nicely is Jameis Winston, comeback player of the year, plus 550. Doesn't really move the needle entirely, but compared to the rest of the group, it makes the most sense. Like Derrick Henry is the short shot, but he played in the final game of the year. Shouldn't count, really. Christian McCaffrey, yeah, that makes sense. He's injured, but I just don't trust him being healthy. Michael Thomas, the receiver, well, he has a good chance to get it. Wouldn't it be his quarterback who's throwing him the ball and other people the ball? So he will have more impressive stats all around as opposed to Michael Thomas. Bring in Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry. Yeah, Jameis Winston's going to get the benefit of the doubt there, and Michael Thomas may take a step back because of those other threats. The Saints could be a good team. They're a question mark team to me, but they could be sneaky, very tough. So plus 550, I think as a quarterback, he has the best chance to win it. Coming back from an injury, he's a likable guy. Baker Mayfield is the other guy. Yeah, laugh all you want, but Baker Mayfield, 18 to 1, comeback player of the year. I saw him in like the 20 to 1 range a week before I bet it, so I kind of missed it a little bitter about that. But whether he was going to be on the Browns or he got traded to another team, which he did with the Panthers, you talk about narrative, Baker Mayfield's got it on a silver platter. The injury, all the nonsense he went through with the Browns and getting replaced by a guy who maybe should be in prison, right? And now you're getting a new change of scenery. And what if you actually make him competitive? What if you pad your stats here in Carolina? I think that sets up. Now, the media maybe necessarily doesn't like Baker, the guys who are voting on this award, but 18 to 1, I think it's worth a small flyer, even if it's like a half unit or whatever. Because if he does play really well, man, the storylines are going to be all over Baker. And that will set up nicely for him to get comeback player of the year. He's got the best storyline for it. But again, tough division, not a great team, not going to help him in the long run. But story-wise, Baker makes sense. And then I had two bets for win totals. Talked about the Vikings. Most places have nine, but I shopped for eight and a half and bet over at minus 130. Vikings, again, I think are going to be a great team. Competency with their head coach in O'Connell. Division getting a little bit weaker. Schedule sets up nicely. 
You still have Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Osborne. You're good tight end away from being arguably one of the best offenses in the NFL. Yes, I said that with Kirk Cousins as your quarterback. Your defense concerns me, but all else, I think you're rock solid, and you probably, hopefully, knock on wood, can't be as frustrating as you were last year. I might double down on that again, honestly, if it's still there. Vikings over 8.5 wins, minus 130. Heck, some people have them 11 to 13 win range. Over 8.5 minus buck 30? Yeah, give me that. And then I did Seahawks under 6 wins, I think it was this past week or last week, at the price of minus 120. Maybe I was a little too... Uh, I was a little too impatient with this one. So I did under six. I didn't want the five and a half. So I did under six minus 120. I think at most they get six wins, but that's with Geno Smith or Drew Locke as their quarterback. You've heard the rumblings about Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe he goes there. And if he does, yeah, I'm not going to be feeling good about under six wins. Not that Jimmy Garoppolo is elite, but he's definitely a game manager and can get the job done when you have threats like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So I'm not in love with this one. At first I was, and then I was like, wait a minute, what am I doing? I still think, again, who knows if they're even going to complete that. And if they don't, then under six, yeah, I'll be feeling great about it. But if they do get Jimmy Garoppolo, well, I'm not going to be feeling the best. But Seahawks, if they don't, are going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. Under six wins minus 120 is what I took. So that's the conclusion and just a recap of all the bets that I've made so far for my NFL futures. We just finished the NFC South last night. The Falcons, I think it's under five wins, five and a half. That one is tempting. I might have to recheck that one in a month or so and see where the market's moved and might add that to the slate. But uh, tonight, we're either going to talk a little bit more college football or some more NFL in terms of these awards and futures. Probably won't start a division tonight. We'll pick one up tomorrow or tomorrow, next week on Monday. But yeah, should be fun. We'll see what it is. Still haven't decided quite yet. I'll see what stands out to me. But of course, we'll always be discussed on Rush Hour tonight, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, live out of the Bet River Sportsbook on VEASAN.com, Fubo TV, Sling TV, the Xfinity app, YouTube TV, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts available. And don't forget the Marquee Sports Network. That'll do it for a Friday edition of the Chicago City Cast. Thank you for tagging along, folks. Best of luck with all your plays and enjoy your weekend. We'll catch up again on Monday.